I always describe to my friends that like being on medication slowly dissipated that cloud. And once you can like see clearly, you're able to work on yourself. You're able to have therapy that can be effective because you're not just being swallowed whole by disorder or whatever your struggle is. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 18 of the Mad Happy Podcast. I'm Payman. And I'm Mason. And as always, we created this podcast to have conversations about mental health. We talk about some pretty serious topics on the show. We are by no means professionals and are not giving advice. If you or someone you know needs help, please visit us at localoptimist.com backslash podcast. Today, we welcome the great Lauren Riamaki to the show. I think you guys are going to love this episode with Lauren. She has one of the biggest YouTube channels out there and really is so open about her mental health and really talked about how her biggest struggles came at the same time that she was having her most success professionally. Yeah, and I think really the context of her growing up in Canada, making big transitions both to college and then starting her YouTube channel, moving to LA, all of those times in her life, following her mental health journey along that was was really great to hear and I think going to be really helpful for the audience. The Mad Happy Podcast is brought to you by Optimism and powered by our Partners for Life at Cash App. We're super excited to talk to you guys about our new sponsor, Cash App. You know, since we started the show, a lot of people had been asking us about having a sponsor, what that might look like, and we wanted to be patient, and a few people hit us up, and we really wanted to do things differently. We wanted to do something that really benefited our listeners and our audience, and obviously something that was so in tune with mental health and really being able to help give back to our community and we couldn't be more excited to announce our sponsorship with Cash App. Here's how it works. Each week, we'll be giving out thousands of dollars to a handful of listeners. Our hope is that you could put this money towards something that could better your mental health. Maybe it's a therapy session, maybe it's for a cup of coffee, or a donation to a cause you really care about. Whatever it is, we hope it's something that goes a long way for you in bettering yourself and your mental health. To enter, all you have to do is leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, or follow the directions of our latest Instagram post on The Local Optimist. More information can be found in the show notes. We're so excited to start this partnership with Cash App. Please enjoy the show with Lauren. Today, we're joined by our friend Lauren. Lauren, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm curious, how do you introduce yourself when you meet someone new these days? Um, I guess it depends where I am. So if I'm in an Uber, I'm like, oh, I work in marketing. Um, so it just avoids <laughs> the conversation of like, oh, like what's your Instagram? Having to go through all of that. But other than that, I think content creator is the phrase that I usually use. I feel like influencer is now kind of douchey. So I try and stay away from that. Um, so content yeah. creator I think is the move right now. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because we ask that question a lot because naturally a lot of the people we have on the show do so many things like yourself and so it's always interesting to us like what you first think of but you know I'm sure we'll get into all that fun stuff Uh, I think we want to start with a little bit earlier in your life I'll let Mason kick us off yeah uh, I think we always like to start at the beginning for people to really get a sense of their identity and and who they are and why they are I think we owe so much of that to where we come from I'm curious what your experience was like growing up uh, in school and with your family uh, obviously, coming from a background of multiple ethnic groups, I'm curious if that played a part in how you viewed yourself at all or your experience with other kids and what you kind of remember from life at that time. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. I don't even know where to start. So, OK, so I am <laughs> Canadian. And so I grew up in like a small suburban town kind of just outside of so between where Niagara Falls is in Toronto. So like 
just regular old Canadian suburbia. What's it called? St. Catharines, it's called. It's like 130,000 people. We had a few high schools. It was like very much zero. Like there could be a family from a movie just like made in that city. Like it's like that kind of suburbia. Right. And I mean, I don't even know where to start. I'm an only child. My parents are still together, which is wildly not very common anymore. Mm-hmm. And I, I like don't even, I'm like, okay, how do I sum my life story up in like 30 seconds? <laughs> no, <laughs> I think so. We got time. Okay, cool. Um, I think like touching on ethnicity though, I am half Japanese and half white. And um, I think I'm third generation Japanese. Maybe it's fourth. I always forget. So my grandparents were born in Canada. So does that make me third generation? Yeah, third generation, yeah. Third gen. I think so. So to be honest, like I've always just been like, oh, I've never really thought more than just being like, oh, I'm half Asian than that until I started working as an influencer. And so that was the first time that I ever experienced comments that were kind of like, oh, you act so white or you act so Asian or like, why do you try and act so Asian or why do you try and act so white? And so it was always this like really weird push and pull. That's something I never, ever thought of. I think also too, like Canada is such a diverse place that it's so normal to have so many different ethnicities that it was never something that I struggled with in terms of bullying. Um, I went to university in Toronto, which is like white people are the minority in Toronto. So it was never something that was... uh, that I really acknowledged until I was on the internet and kind of had that push and pull of people mentioning it. Why do you think people feel the need to put those labels out there, like in the comments of like, you're being like this or or, you're being like that. I feel like people really have a tendency to like have to label something in order to understand it or like put it in a certain box. What's your take on that? Yeah. I mean, I think you nailed it. I think it's wanting to, they don't understand what it is until they can attempt to label it. I mean, I think it's they're like, okay, well, what am I familiar with? What do I understand? Okay, let's smack that label on it and hope it sticks, I guess. It's just so hard because especially like online, you know, I don't know, like five to 10% of that person's actual life. So trying to put an accurate label on someone is nearly impossible. For sure. And I'm curious, um, I had somewhat of a similar experience. So I was actually born in Italy, but both of my parents are from Iran and I moved to LA when I was six. So um I was always just like a little bit like, I would say like confused or maybe didn't feel like I understood where I fit in because like people were different. Some people were more similar. So it was like that kind of weird feeling where like, I feel like you had the opposite of experience, which is like, you didn't even know that you weren't, you maybe were different until Mm -hmm. way later in life, which I think is amazing. Um, I'm curious, like you mentioned you were an only child. Do you feel like that played a role in, in how you grew up? I, I think, you know, we always talk about that on the show. I'm curious how that was for you. It was good. I mean, I, my boyfriend and I are both only children. And I feel like anytime someone learns that about you, they're like, oh, like, were you so spoiled? Are you a brat? Do you not know how to share? Like, I feel like there's so many stereotypes that go along with being an only child. But I I had, I love being an only child. I guess I don't know anything else too. So it's hard to be like, oh, life would have been sick with a sibling. But I've always been really, really close with my parents. And I think because there was only like, one child I got to go on all the family vacations and we just had a really close relationship and I think it also teaches you independence at a young age as well too um so you know being thrust into summer camp being like okay pick you up at five go make some friends and you don't have that sibling to kind of lean on uh to have some kind of comfort or companionship while you're doing things it teaches you 
you have to, you have to learn your social skills pretty quickly, I think, as an only child. That's a great point. I, I grew up with four siblings, and you kind of don't even have to think about the effort to hang out with someone or to go <laughs> play catch or, or shoot hoops in the backyard or even to just whatever you want to do. It's always right there. I feel like it's interesting how your career ended up panning out that it almost seems like the the crafting and, and the DIY and all these things that you kind of had to figure out how to do um, and then share it with millions and millions of people. It's like in a way that that kind of is your your sibling or your family in a way. Oh my God, is this therapy? I'm like, that's the, <laughs> that's like the craziest connection that I've never thought about. I think too, like so many YouTubers start making content just like by themselves when they're depressed in their room. And that's like a common, you know, starter story for how a lot of YouTubers got started. And so not so that I grew up depressed, like that, yeah. that came along later on in life, but yeah. being alone and like finding, I mean, it really is like, I grew up doing crafts just like by myself. So it's always been like an artsy kid. And then fast forward, you know, 25 years later, and I'm still doing crafts by myself. Just now people are watching it on the internet later on. I think that's dope. Like any, whenever I think about something like any idea that I've had or, creativity in general it's like you'll you'll be really excited about something and then if I went into my brother's room and I showed him or my sister's room and they're like yeah like that's cool but whatever like I I'd be absolutely crushed but like without having that I feel like like you said you get so much more independent you can build so much more confidence it's really like just you there so it's only yourself that you're trying to prove things to and and that's so true yeah. because my parents can't be like yo your drawing sucks like your siblings yeah, might say. exactly <laughs> yeah and I feel like they want to encourage it because like um, yeah, no, but it, it's a great point. I mean, I think what I'm wondering is, so you grew up in Canada, then you ended up moving to the States, but I guess like where in that process for you, would you say you had your first like mental health experience? Was it in those comments? Like, was that like the first time you really like, were like, whoa, like what's going on? Was it before? Like, how do you think about that now looking back? Oh my God. I, I think that I've had mental health struggles, like the earliest when I think back to even just like playing t-ball as like a six, seven-year-old kid, like I used to rip up my hands and like pick at my skin. And like looking back, I can see so many of those symptoms of mental health, like stress that I still exhibit now, you know, at 20, oh my God, I almost just said 27, I'm 28. Um, <laughs> We're 27, oh so we feel um, you though. <laughs> Yeah, she's like just had my birth and I'm like, okay, now we're accepting that we're a year older. But even now, like so many of those signs that I exhibit now were consistent when I was so young and just, you know, obviously hadn't acknowledged it. And I mean, when you're six, you're not like, am I anxious? I do. What's anxiety? Like you're not questioning those feelings. And so I can look back at, you know, being an overachieving kid and playing lots of sports and wanting to do well in school. And I can see the way that I manifested anxiety Um, just throughout my day-to-day life and obviously ebbs and flows. But I think the biggest catalyst was when I had major transitions in my life. So moving from um, my hometown, this like small place, I'd lived in the same house my entire life over to Toronto, you know, where I was kind of going on this new adventure. And yeah, it's been, it's been a journey for sure. Ebbs and flows. What was the first time for you that you noticed like this is anxiety or like actually had the emotional awareness to, to be able to identify one of your tics or, or things like that? Um, The first anxiety attack I had, like major one where I was like, oh my God, did I just like die? Like, I think I just had a near-death experience where I had to be like, 
take a step back and be like, what was that? Um, I was in my first year of university and um, some of the business classes we used to take at this convention center in Toronto. So it's a sea of like 3000 kids taking an exam. And so your first university, again, overachiever, trying to excel at everything that I'm doing, being away from home. I was just like on overload of just so many things, just overstimulated. And so my first anxiety attack was, and it looking back, like it's so common and, but just like not knowing what it was back then, it's the scariest thing ever where I'm like sweating. It's the fight or flight kicking in. You've got tunnel vision. You can't focus. Your mouth is dry. Your heart is pounding. And so I, I left and I really had to like have a conversation, talk to my doctor. I it started the journey with therapy and medication, but that was the first time that I was like, oh my God, like the mind body connection is so incredibly strong. And that was the very first time that I had those two things kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. I think just for everyone out there, like to really contextualize how wild that is of like, you notice that you were feeling these things when you were six or seven years old. And it wasn't until your first year of university when you're 18 or 19 years old that you're actually able to understand what's going on I feel like that's that's part of why I'm so passionate about this work and and a big part of why we do everything that we do at Mad Happy and have this show is to be like if if that kid anyone can have that kind of awareness or start to build some of those tools even as early as freshman year of high school when you're experiencing all these things like you'll be so much more well equipped as as we all deal with the transitions of growing up and and getting older and all those things. Absolutely. I feel like I have so many conversations with viewers who are going through similar things and they're, you know, in high school. And those are the conversations that I wish that I had been having. So I think about now at 28, undoing in therapy, so many of the things that I didn't realize were happening when I was younger. And this was, you know, just like random everyday things that I was so anxious about, but didn't fully comprehend and like, had I been able to work through that as I aged, I feel like it, it would just be an entirely different journey. Yeah, I'm curious. Um, you mentioned it earlier, like the arts and craft side of like spending time by yourself and kind of using that as a therapy for yourself in your earlier years. I'm curious, like, was that really where the passion and interest in that started? And then like, what led you to be like, okay, like now I'm putting this out there in the world? Because I think those are like two very different things. Yeah, I definitely. I can't remember what like the initial catalyst was as a kid. I think, you know, your parents, you know, throw a lot of stuff at you to figure out like what you enjoyed doing as a kid. And art was just one of those things that I loved. I loved building with Legos and Play-Doh and, you know, the painting and drawing and all that stuff in the craft books. And it was one of those things that like I just naturally excelled at and found a lot of joy and creativity and making something unique. So even growing up throughout the years, of, you know, wanting to have uh, binders that had custom covers on it that I had collaged from like my Tiger Beat magazine and stuff and made it like my own. I was so into that. And that kind of continued all throughout my life. But eventually in university, I had chosen a program that I was super not in love with. And I was having a really hard time with it, being away from home, entering into this program that was not as creatively fulfilling as I envisioned it to be. And I just went back to crafting and it was kind of the first thing that I thought to do when I started making content and I was making content for myself, not for anyone to see at any point. Like it was the creative escape that I needed uh, to get through school. So you ended up finishing that program that you weren't really into? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm gonna be honest. Like, I probably should have switched, <laughs> but also college is a is a much cheaper experience in Canada than it is in the states. And my parents were paying absolutely. Then, um, and I was able to skip a lot of class while still doing my YouTube channel at the same time. So I was like, I'm gonna just ride this out, get this degree. I've already done two years of it at the time, so it just uh, it worked out that I was able to still get that super fancy piece of paper and grow the brand while I was uh, doing both. No, for sure. I think, I think it's cool because listeners know I've, I've shared my experience with, with college a few times on the show, but I also was having a really hard time and, and wasn't really enjoying it or feeling creatively fulfilled. Also felt bad that my parents are spending all this money. It's like, it's a right. big deal. And I ended up going home and, and dropping out, which kind of led us to starting Mad Happy. But I think it's cool to provide the perspective that you have as well, where I could not be into something. I'm going to keep doing this for X, Y, and Z, but I know this thing that I am into and I'm going to keep pursuing that on the side so I can feel fulfilled in that way. And I feel like it's just a good reminder for people that there's a million different ways to like walk this path and to and to figure shit out as a teenager. And, and even if you're really not feeling something, you can kind of use other things that you know you like to kind of balance it back out and, and go get that degree if that's still what you really care about. Or you could be like me and drop out and get lucky. That's a great point, though. It's a great point. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, I, I'm curious about uh, I, you mentioned transitions, and I agree. I feel like the even for me, like my biggest, like ex- cha- most challenging experiences were during big transitionary periods. Like, I'm curious, like then when you did make the move um, to the states, like was that another one for you that you really like felt that pressure in a different way? And I guess, where were you on your mental health journey then? Like, had you already started therapy? Had you already explored medication and those things? Like, you know, paint that picture for us. Yeah. So after that initial anxiety attack in my first year, I started the process of therapy. I tried a few um, different therapists as well and different types. Now I do CBT, the cognitive behavioral therapy, and it's been the most effective, but I've tried, you know, the whole spectrum and I started medication. um, I think about six months after I tried therapy just by itself, but I just found that the most successful combination for me personally has always been therapy alongside medication. So the three years after my first anxiety attack were, you know, ebbs and flows as it always is with anxiety and mental health. And so I'd have good days, bad days, and kind of just got through university. Um, I had, I think having the YouTube career was one, an amazing distraction and also a really great push for me to go out of my comfort zone because I spent so much time working towards this brand that I had built and like doing these incredible videos and meeting so many people that whenever I got an opportunity that fell out of my comfort zone, I was like, I've worked so hard, like, bitch, like, just do it. Like you earned this, you worked for this. Like, why, why, how could you say no to this? And so it forced me out of my comfort zone, um, I think, in really great ways. When I moved to L.A., I had a total mental breakdown. Like, I was I was unwell. I was not okay. To the point where, like, one of the anxiety attacks, and again, like, it's just so insane how strong, strong the mind and body connection is. Like, I my spine would go numb every single night, just like out of anxiety, like so alongside an anxiety attack. And so like one of the nights I took myself to the ER because I was like, this is not normal. Like this cannot be okay. But it's just so insane to see how strong those those things can be and how they can affect your physical body, even when it's stemming from like your mental health. And so the transition was, I think, really hard because I was so excited to do it because again, like I'd worked so hard to like move into this next stage of my life. But mentally, again, it was the ultimate test of going outside the comfort zone. Yeah. When did your page really start 
popping off like while you were still in school and then that's what led you to moving to LA after? Yeah, yeah. So while I was still in school, so maybe like halfway through my third year is when things like kind of really took off. Yeah, I think I I can definitely relate to that. I mean, one of the hardest moments in my life was was a c- couple years into Mad Happy when things were going pretty well and, and we just had an LA store that had just opened that I worked really hard on that was super exciting. Um, and I kind of hit my rock bottom with my bout of depression and, and anxiety and I had just gone through a breakup and I was just like a total mess. And I really didn't want to start medication, but I just kind of... For some reason, it just kind of felt like me failing or like taking a loss. And I, I was very proud. I think I had a lot of pride that was really getting in my way. And I was being super stubborn. And, and I just kind of felt so defeated and deflated that I was like, what? like, why are you saying no to help, dude? It's just like, it's so silly that there's just like scientific help that's right here. And all you have to do is just take it and like be committed to getting better and and it's going to have a positive effect on your life. And I think once I had that shift in my mindset of like, who are you trying to be this tough guy for and like prove all this stuff to like, don't really view it as a weakness in that way. Like my life completely turned around and I love you making the point too of of pairing therapy with the medication because I, I do really believe that they're like two halves that have to work hand in hand. Like if you're not really willing to do the work like sure the medication will have some positive effects chemically but it's really about like living that life and doing things to actually change how you feel i always explain to friends who come to me saying um i'm scared that medication is going to change me or make me less funny or is going to make me just like void of a personality because i feel like that's kind of the picture that maybe it's mainstream media has painted i'm not entirely sure what like the origin is But it just has such a stigma. And the way that I've always described it to people is that when I was unable to leave my dorm room and I couldn't walk down the street without having an anxiety attack and it like consumed my entire life, it's like this massive, heavy cloud that weighs on you every day. I always describe to my friends that like being on medication slowly dissipated that cloud. And once you can like see clearly, you're able to work on yourself. You're able to have therapy that can be effective because you're not just being swallowed whole by disorder or whatever your struggle is for sure and I I think you guys both made great points which is like the path is different for everyone and obviously we're not doctors here we're not pretending to be and it's about getting the help and care of a professional and finding what's right for you and medication works amazingly for some people and maybe doesn't work as well for others and and that's okay too like I think I think the main thing is just like understanding that there are ways you can get help and then figuring out what like the right matches for you right which i feel like tries to be our message you mentioned like cbt earlier like there's a lot of easier ways uh to do do that too right like we released this like mental health journal a few months ago and it's primarily like cbt based like tools for people to just check in with themselves daily and that's you know we've gotten amazing feedback on that and it's just like an easy way for people to check in with themselves more so again you know, love that you both share that. I think you just have to try. Like everyone is so different and things work for different people. When some of your friends, Lauren, like were telling you this is going to change who I am or like it's not so absolute in that way of like, yeah, it might change who you are. And then if you don't like it, you could stop taking it and, and you'll go back to this person now. But it's like we we can't know if, if we don't try and there's things to play with the dosage and, and you pair with other physical activities and, and all these other things. Like we said that I think if, if you are someone who's struggling and might be a little bit nervous to to start something, it's just about really taking it slow and and we all have a lot of life left to live and there's a lot of room to to really try things out and, and see what works best for us. Totally agree. 
Yeah, to shift gears into relationships a little bit, um, I know you've had a few public relationships, uh, some breakups, uh, the the tragic passing of, of one of the boyfriends that you've had as well. Um, I know you talk a lot about on, on your guy show about relationship dynamics and all those kind of things. I'm wondering now, kind of being older, happy belated birthday at 28, um, how you kind of view romantic relationships and, and what some of your biggest lessons have been uh, from the ones that you have had and then also just dealing what you went through uh, with Baz and, and what kind of effect something like that had on your mental health and how that kind of shifted the way that you view things now. Oh my God, I don't even know where to start. Um, okay, so- Sorry, that um, was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try and break it down and we can we can circle back on something so I miss it. Okay, I think cool. Public relationships is something that um, I think that was a learning process, not only in relationships, but just as a creator in general as to maybe don't put your whole fucking life on the internet and then mm-hmm. have people become very attached to this portrait that you have drawn in the form of editing and small bursts of content, right? Because- as much of a perfect relationship as you can paint in a video that gets edited down to 12 minutes every day, no one's going to ever have a full understanding of what the relationship dynamic actually is aside from the two people in the relationship. And so I think because our picture perfect relationship was so public for so long, when it ended, people were so attached to that picture perfect relationship. They were like, well, how, how could this end? Like, I don't understand. Like everything is so perfect. How could you do that? And they get angry and they take sides and it's, just an incredibly toxic environment for, I think, not only the community of people who have been watching the videos and they, one, have a sense of like, have just a fake sense of like what relationships should look like. Like, I hate that I spent so many years giving off this perception that relationships should look like this. They should be perfect. They should be so fun all the time because that's not the reality of a relationship. It's not even close. And I think... Two, it's just not healthy for the two people in the relationship, obviously, like for a million different reasons. Um, And so I think that, I don't know, it's tough. I know that couples channels on YouTube can really thrive and work for some people, but it's just not for me. And I learned that the hard way, which is, you know, it's a, it's a learning process. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel any sort of, of, of obligation to the viewers and the fans of where, you're like, this is everything that I want to share about my life. And I really want you to engage with me and and let me know what you think about it. And then here's another part of my life. And you're not allowed to comment on this or like this, I want to be more private. How do you balance like what the expectations are of of what you owe these people, if if anything? I mean, it's hard. I think it's your there's you're always tiptoeing the boundary of figuring out I'm, I'm someone who always feels like I owe an explanation for everything. Mm-hmm. And I've worked for so many years to try and change that perception that I need to, I, that I owe anyone anything when yeah. it's just, it's so hard. It's such a, it's a hard boundary to find. And I think the most common way of finding it is going past the boundary where you're uncomfortable with someone knowing something and then finding your way back to where you have some parts of you that are private but it's it's definitely been a learning process, and I think you know you've you've learned through failure a lot of the times, which is you know not the most fun part of learning, but it's something that I think is ne- necessary and uh, learning experience overall. It reminds me of a of a sentence I heard in therapy a lot, which is "no" is a complete sentence. That's a great sentence for people who like to over-explain things and and feel like there's always an explanation, or I I feel bad, or this or that. No, is a complete sentence. <laughs> I need to exercise that sentence more. <laughs> I love that. Um, and then Lauren, I guess like, 
switching gears, but also not, then you ended up starting a podcast with your current boyfriend. So what was what was the thinking behind that? And, and what were you trying to do with that as opposed to like the YouTube channel and everything you were already doing? I mean, the podcast is just such an entirely different dynamic, which has been so nice. Um, I think with the videos, again, it's very edited. It's very painting a very oddly perfect picture. But I think on the podcast, we have these much longer format conversations that are much more real. And we're talking about real scenarios, talking about, you know, real issues, real stories, things that have happened, giving our commentary. So I mean, like worst case scenario, if we were to break up, those pieces of advice and those stories, nothing changes about them. And you know, they're, they're real pieces of who we are as people. And I think we balance each other out really well in the sense that we both come from very different backgrounds, but have a lot in common. So when I wanted to start content on a new platform that kind of gave me a fresh start, I had a very big transitional period between growing out of like making content for a very family friendly audience over to being more organically myself and talking about like sex and alcohol and drug experiences or whatever. So I think, you know, I was able to do that eventually over time on YouTube, but on the podcast, I was able to have a fresh start and have these new conversations right off the bat. And everyone was kind of on the same page as to what the content was going to be. Yeah. It's amazing because me and Mason always talk about, we feel like podcasting is a very like intimate and personal medium. Like you're more yourself on your podcast and really any other, like then your YouTube channel, everything that you just mentioned. Right. And, and it, it's like, you're going right into people's ears. Like they're listening to you and like, they feel like you're in the room and, and, and that's what is awesome about it. I feel like a lot of people we've had on the show, like they always point to like the podcast element to what they're doing as like the one that feels very rewarding. The one that feels like closest to like the fans and the supporters, because like they're asking you questions, you're actually giving them advice. And a lot of them are getting true one-to-one help from that, which I feel like is a lot harder on any other platform. I 100% agree. 100%. It's an entirely different, I think, connection that you have with your audience. And it's, even though it's longer, you would think that that would make it less intimate, but somehow the conversations are just so much more intimate. Yeah. And where do you hope to take it? I guess, like, how do you think about, you know, your mission, I guess, like on this in this world, but also like with your content, like what you're trying to do and like what like the line through everything is and where you hope the pod to go. I mean, I think the overall theme of everything is just like being raw and real. I spent so many years, um, not only in that relationship, but also just like there was this, there was this like moment in time on YouTube in like 2014 through 16, where there was a handful of these lifestyle girls and we all did this, like this, this whole show where it was like very oversaturated and everything looked so perfect and it was like fake laughing on the beach like it's just like such a gross period of content that uh exists on <laughs> a lot of mine is privated so if you're listening please don't go looking for it <laughs> but yeah. i spent so many years kind of like spending so much time and effort painting this picture of like what i wanted people to think my life was that i think now i've spent so much of my time and throwing my whole life into being real and being raw and being authentic and being very open about things that I'm going through. Like, I don't care about crying on camera. I don't talk, I don't care about like having very raw and organic conversations about mental health and where my anxiety is at and my medication transitions and my therapy. And I love sharing what I learned in therapy as well too, because it can be so so expensive and it's not accessible for everyone. So I try to bring as much normalcy, I think, to mental health 
Um, it just has such a stigma still. And I know that every single day it gets broken down more and more, but I want people to see that like on Instagram, you can, you know, I, even I can post like a really nice picture on vacation, but I also want to make sure that the same highlight is going to the days where the low I, lights. Yeah, the, the low lights. Thank you. <laughs> the highlights and the low lights. And I think that balance is so important. Have you seen your community respond or react differently from when you first started making those videos that you said were more sheltered and, and curated and kind of filtered versus now that you're much more raw and vulnerable and authentic? How have they responded to that? Oh my God, absolutely. I mean, I just have the most incredible conversations about people who are going through similar things. I think before the tone of conversations was like, oh my God, like, that video is so pretty. Love the colors. Where's your shirt from? And now the comments are just so much more um, intimate and raw. And like we have conversations that are so much more real. Um, and even an anxiety video might not perform as well in terms of views on YouTube because it's not entertainment. It's not comedy, whatever. But those are the conversations, the videos that are so important, I think, for people. It just it shines such a positive light on potentially a smaller community, but it's so much more important to have that content as well um, alongside the more entertainment stuff. For sure. And I'm wondering now, I feel like you've evolved so much, right? And like the content you're putting out, I'm sure as a person, as a human, like you've, you have already showed us like how far you've come. Like, how do you think about both the balance and like wanting to put out authentic content that helps people, but also like, balancing the fact that like you need to take care of yourself your mental health and like even though like social media is your job in many ways like being able to balance that to be able to like be you know the best version of yourself that you can be I think boundaries are the most important thing that anyone who works on the internet and honestly anyone in general needs to learn for themselves as boundaries um and so I was just having this conversation the other day about like how if you're having a shitty day like the last place that you should be is your your social media comments like that is just not it's not gonna work out for you it's not gonna be good like you're just walking into danger there do you have any sort of uh like rules or or things that you follow of like reading not reading how much time I spend with my screens things like that I don't. And I probably should be better about that. Um, I would say though that I'm pretty good at disconnecting when I'm having a really rough day or only connecting in ways that I know will be positive. Like TikTok for me is a place of entertainment and dog videos and mostly a source of positivity. <laughs> so it's like, if I'm having a shitty day, I like, I want to go see someone's dog do something cute. I don't want to <laughs> be in the comments of an Instagram yeah. photo where people are calling me names and making comments about my appearance. So I think it's just like understanding and setting yourself up for success when you're having that kind of day of like where on social media, if at all, there's a place for you that day. For sure. Uh, before we let you go, uh, I want to talk about the show Craftopia, which looks amazing uh it's coming to hbo max when is it uh, releasing again october 7th super soon in a couple weeks uh i'm wondering what is the show how did you get involved what's kind of the goal for it so it is a craft competition show which is super cute um so i'm the host not a contestant or a judge just the host and um our season one was these kid crafters and so it was super cute they would go head to head and uh, it's like a similar format to like most of the craft or um, like cooking challenge shows or mm -hmm, baking mm -hmm. where it's, you know, like three and then elimination and then one wins. But season two is adults, which is so much more fun because the kids were oh, so wow. cute, but like you can't roast a kid <laughs> for having a shitty craft. Whereas an yeah. adult, you know, you can be a little sassy. It can be a little edgier. And so it's uh, just insane, insane challenges like 
like cutting up a smart car into uh like christmas sculptures like it's oh it's God. next level this season so it's good it's a uh, it's grown up a lot since first season that's super dope is that the first time that you've ever like hosted a show like that and kind of stepped into that role yeah yeah 100 percent. i've done like small things in tr- like traditional media here and there but this is the first time that i ever like stepped onto an actual set like full time for a whole season of something so that's amazing i feel like shows like that like i love um a lot of the baking shows and like they're not <laughs> You know, sometimes I'm not like, oh, like I, I, I like learned I didn't a lot. I know that about you, um, but but it, but I think it's, uh, you know, quarantine. You know, you find a lot of new content. But I feel like one part of you know that's interesting to me is like, you know, sometimes you just want to like chill, like watch something funny and like pass the time, and like it doesn't always need to be like content. Maybe that like you're like, oh my god, I just like learned so much, or like, oh my god, you know. And I and I feel like that part of it for me at least, like with, with my mental health of just like being able to like chill and like watch something that's like funny and like doesn't need to be like as serious has been super helpful. So I love that. No, I totally agree. I think there's a, a time and place for a baking show for everyone. <laughs> I, I'm curious, Lauren, as you think about like your future, I mean, you touched on it a little bit, but like you've already done so much and like you're only 28, which I know you think 28 is old, but like it, it's really not right. And so I'm wondering, like, you have so many, so many great years ahead. And like, how are you thinking about yourself, like as a person evolving? And then also like professionally, like, where do you hope to go and do? It's honestly like so hard. I feel like to set goals, obviously, like short term goals are are something that I don't struggle with. But I think because the digital landscape changes so quickly, like if you had asked me three years ago, what my goals were, the things that I've achieved have just been something that I didn't even think were possible. So it's hard to, I guess, have goals to be like, oh, career-wise, here's where I think I am. But I think just overall, as a person, I've had, I had a really tough year this year, mental health-wise, changing medications. I lost a psychiatrist and it was, it was a really rough year. And so like in the, in like the realm of like, like ebbs and flows, like we had a, we had a, a, a low, a low year this year. And so I think I'm only learning more tools every year and I'm only learning more things about myself and therapy and figuring out my medication to a better degree. And so like, I guess overall, like I just hope to learn more as I know and will understand and accept that there will be more ebbs and flows later on in life. Cause I think it's unrealistic to say that, like, I hope my mental health is just great for the rest of my life because that's not the reality of it. So I think it's just to continue learning, continue being real and authentic about the conversations I'm having around mental health online. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Thank you for being such an advocate uh, for mental health and an ally in that way. I feel like when I think about the hardest times of my life, I, I really view them now as a blessing. I truly, truly do for everything I was able to learn about myself and, and uncover and ways that it motivated me for my future. And it seems like it's having kind of a similar effect on you as, as I sense almost gratitude from you with this hard year that you've had in terms of what it's allowed you to learn about yourself and explore and, and all of those things, which I feel like is really valuable for anyone who's listening, who, who may be having a hard time, who really can't see it as a blessing right now. Really let yourself have a hard time and don't feel any shame around it and, and really own it and ask yourself hard questions and find out the answers that that this hard time is giving you and teaching you because it's very, very valuable. Two quick questions before we officially wrap up that we ask everyone on the show. Uh, The first is if you could nominate anyone to come onto the show who has been 
very inspiring to you or someone whose mental health story you don't even know, but you think would be awesome to hear, uh, who would you nominate? Oh my God. Oh my God. What's question number two? I might need to come back to question number one. You could do two first. Uh, the <laughs> question number two is what makes you mad happy? What makes me mad happy? Yeah. Um, carbs and my dog. Amazing answer. What kind of dog do you have? I have a, a mini bull terrier. Oh, mini bull terrier. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the, it's like the target dog, but the small. Yeah, one. yeah, with the yeah, yeah. the that's the, like the, the dog from like from Toy Story, right? Yeah, it's always so funny what um, like media <laughs> reference people will think because like some people go Toy Story, <laughs> some people go Target Dog, some people go um, uh, Friday that movie. Yep, yep, yep. Know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chico in that movie. It's so funny to see. Okay, question number one: um, Mental health advocate. I mean, not that my mom would ever, ever, ever literally go onto a podcast ever, like she would die, but <laughs> my parents have been so incredibly supportive. And I think, I think a conversation that could be really cool is from the perspective of someone who doesn't struggle with mental health, but supports someone with mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been such a journey with my parents. So my dad, bless his soul, literally, the, I have the most amazing parents in the entire world. My dad, who has never found, felt an ounce of anxiety in his entire life, <laughs> He had trouble at the beginning understanding the difference between stress and anxiety. So he would see me go up on stage and speak to 5,000 people, but he would also see me not be able to leave to go to a restaurant. I couldn't leave my room. So he had trouble understanding uh, how that could be rational and how that would make sense. Of course, yeah. And so he has learned so much and like his mental health education is like he could give a lecture now. Like he's, he's learned so much. And then I think for my mom, she has been so incredible in understanding that when you are going through a hard time, you don't necessarily need the same kind of support every time, which can be really hard on a loved one because they just want to be there for you. And they want to be able to, you know, like execute steps one, two, and three to fix you. And that's not necessarily how it works. Like there are some days where I need a lot of overwhelming love and support and compassion. And then other days I need to be completely by myself and it can be hard to communicate that to people and can push people away. And so I think from someone who's a loved one that supports all of the mental health, it's, it's a, it's a really tough journey to be on the other side of that. It's tough on both sides, but I think seeing my parents go through it with me, it's, it's truly incredible. Yeah. That's amazing. Shout out to your parents for sure. And um, <laughs> yeah, we always talk about like the support system being so important in, in someone's journey um, but, but Lauren, thank you so much for coming on. I mean, your, your story and your journey is super inspiring to us. And, and I'm sure so many of, of your followers and supporters, and we're excited to check out Craftopia, of course, coming out, um, HBO max on October 7th, but also just to, to follow your journey and, and, you know, keep, keep watching you as you grow and evolve in life. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me guys. Thank you guys for listening to the Mad Happy Podcast and our episode with Lauren. As always, it means so much to us that you guys took time out of your day to partake in a conversation around mental health and hope that you were able to learn something from it. And another big shout out to Lauren for joining us. Hearing her story definitely impacted me. I know that you guys will love it as well. Thank you for listening. And we want to remind everyone that mental health is an ongoing process and is something that takes daily work. 
As always, you can get more information on localoptimist.com backslash podcast and definitely check out our new partnership with Cash App. It's awesome. We're giving away money for people to use to better their mental health. So definitely check it out in the show notes. If you guys want to support the show, please follow us on Spotify, subscribe on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. You will find us there and tune in next week for our conversation with where we talk about their experience with mental health. See you next time. The Mad Happy Podcast is brought to you by Optimism.